We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. We're on the series, Eyes on the Prize. Once you see that, there's nothing else you will see. Right? There's nothing else you see. Nothing else. Everything else fades into oblivion. Even what you think is priority. Let's look at a few scriptures. Matthew 16, 25. Matthew 16, 25. Um, Let's go from 24, really, for context. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever desires, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. From Sunday school, we all know this next verse. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give? in exchange for his soul. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? And and, and if your soul is premium, then it means you can't exchange anything for your soul. We can't exchange anything. He repeats the same thing in Mark chapter 8. All the three synoptic gospels carry it. Mark 8, 35. Let's go from 34 again. When he called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what? Will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Luke 9.24 Again, 23 for context. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and 
is himself destroyed or lost. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory, in his fathers and of the holy angels. Then he goes on. So we see that three accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, saying the same thing. Now most times what we read is that I can lose my life for Christ. In those three accounts. Messages have been preached from these accounts. That you know, serving God will mean dying for him. True. But we forget that in those three accounts are promises. That if you lose your life, you'll find it. So really, there's no loss. If you save your life, you will lose it. If you give your life, you will save it. So aren't you better off losing your life to save it than saving it to lose it? So there's no security in holding back from God. Ironically. The security is in giving all of you to God. There's no security in hiding money from God. (laughs) The security is that your supply is guaranteed when you give your money to God. There's no security in being ashamed of the gospel. There's security in being a fool for the gospel so that Christ is not ashamed of you before the Father. So really, there's no loss in Christ. But to achieve a life of no loss, you must be willing to lose. You must be willing to put him first at all costs. Failing to do that is the destruction of priority. Because a man's life is his priority. Is that also in this life? I must make it in this life. I must marry in this life. I must drive a car by time I'm 25. You know all those things that you give yourself timelines that nobody sent you? Masters by the time I'm 22. Have you heard of Asu Strike? <laughs> Many are the plans in a man's heart. There's a counsel of God that stands. If some of you had your way by now, in your mind, in your notebook, you have done PhD by you. <laughs> by this time three years ago. Judging by how you think your brain is smart. The point is you set all those deadlines, milestones that nobody is putting you under pressure for. And that takes over a person's life. You forget to leave L-I-V-E today because you're so engulfed in tomorrow. And Jesus says tomorrow has troubles of its own. I know the funny thing about it is once you get into tomorrow, tomorrow becomes today. So whatever troubles you are afraid of didn't come because you are afraid of tomorrow's troubles. Tomorrow's troubles don't become today's troubles. You wake up in the morning and those troubles become tomorrow's troubles. So taking one day at a time, trusting the Lord with all your heart and leaning not on your understanding, you realize that day after day, day after day, the troubles are looking after themselves. And you realize you get more done by allowing the troubles look after themselves than for you to live your life trying to sort the trouble. 
But it's priority. I must feed my family. I must look after myself. I must, I must, oh, I must see Christ at all costs, that I may know him. Philippians 3.10, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his son, that, that by some means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. That's King James. Modern translations will have it rendered in such a way that it means that whatever it costs, I must also taste resurrection from the dead. Do you understand? That's what Paul meant. That by any means, any means, if they are resurrecting people from the dead, me, I'm inside. That's what he meant in Philippians 3.10. By all means, I might attain resurrection from the dead. That is the focus of a believer. Is anybody hearing me? And until you get to the point where whatever you think is priority can become secondary, that thing is a distraction. It's a distraction. And again, I'm, I'm sorry, but that just tells you that a lot of the messages we hear today in churches are distractions. Because yes. they are teaching you how to be distracted yes. from Christ. Yeah. Inadvertently. Yes. Teaching you how to make money is a distraction. Go to business school. Mastery of life skills is a distraction. Because we are showing you everything but Christ. And you come and you are in a church for weeks. There's a series going on and there's no reference to Christ. Besides in Jesus name. Amen. No reference to Christ. Christ is not being formed in the believer. We give you general knowledge. We give you philosophy. We give you business. We give you life coaching. We give you financial studies. We give you relationship tips. We give you project management. Career and idea building. And Christ is not being formed in you. And people hear those kind of messages and become ordained as pastors. Because they've been, they've been sat there long enough to know the curriculum of the church. And you become an academic pastor. And we're distracted. But we see Jesus. Fixing our gaze on Jesus. Luke chapter 10. Just one chapter further from Luke 9. Ah, we look to you. Luke 10, 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Whose house was it? So now we know that Mary and Lazarus were guests in the house of... That's 101. Welcomed him into her house. So she was the landlady of the house, right? And straight away, before we go ahead with the reading, you know the story, that explains her agitation. It wasn't like three of them were sharing house. It was a house. Maybe their parents were dead. We don't know. You know, she was the most well-to-do of them. You know, and she had her two siblings staying with her that she was responsible for. NLT says, a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. 
I want to pick a few more translations. The Living Bible says that um, Martha welcomed them into her home. So it's very, very straightforward, right? It is her home. So let's go ahead. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted. The message says, but Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Sisters, amen. Amen. Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Let me let the NLT load very quickly. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And at that point, that was the righteous thing to do. I mean, Jesus was at at, at the house. Jesus. I mean, Jesus. And it was only natural to host Jesus the way he deserved to be hosted. So Martha, being the home owner and homekeeper, was doing what was priority at the time. But Luke, in his record, says that she was distracted. Mary is the rebellious one, so it appears. But she found word. And she gave up everything, including sister's approval, to sit and hear the word. So she was distracted with her much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. 41 NLT. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. What was that one thing? What was that one thing? The word. Because as soon as he arrived, all Mary saw was the word. Martha saw his belly, which understandably needed feeling. But Mary saw the fountain that she needed to drink from. And he says, one thing is needful, the word. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Let's see how the message puts that. I'm interested in how it will sound in the message. Forgive me, I'm doing all the reading so that in the recordings, we don't have to cut them out. Because most times when some of you read, we have to take it out of the recording. Does that make sense? Because there's no microphone um, attached to you guys. Yet. We'll get there. Um, So the master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. So all that Martha was doing submitted to Ouch. Big dinner. You know, anything says big dinner. Nothing. 
Only one thing is essential, and Mary has chosen it. Hear the message. It's the main course and won't be taken from her. It's the main course. I wrote here, after that text, that in your pursuit of Christ, in seeing Christ for all he is and avoiding the distractions, what is wrong could be right, and what is right could be wrong. So in being led by the Spirit, right and wrong becomes relative. It's no longer defined by morality. I don't want to go too deep into that. Most of us are living our lives for one person to say well done. One human being. One person. Your dad, your mom, your friend, your classmate, your ex-girlfriend. You want to prove her wrong. That the person she married was the wrong person. You will prosper and she will see. I'm, I know what I'm talking about. And vice versa. We become distracted by what we think is priority. What is right could be wrong and what is wrong could be right. God determines it. Water pots that they used to wash leg. He says, go and fill it with water, carry it out, and go and give to the guy. How do you explain that? Master, we can't do that now. Thank God for Mary, whatever he tells you to do. Do it. So Mary, Martha is serving a big feast to look after Jesus. I, I, I know the one that said we should treat them with double honor. Is that not double honor we're trying to do for Jesus? Not just a feast, a big one. And then Mary is there, and Mary decides to sit down and chase after the word. Martha is doing the right thing. Mary is doing the important thing. Martha is doing the right thing. Mary is doing the important thing. So with the lenses of Christ, it gets to the time in your life where you check, what will he have me do? Not what will morality define for me is right to do. Let's take this home. Romans eight seventeen. I know tonight is pretty heavy, but I hope that you're catching it. Romans 8, 17. You know, we read, we read this part again and we leave the last part of the verse because we don't like it. So most of us have chosen not to see it. So let's go from 16, where, where did we stop? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the sons of God. 17, children of God and 17. And, and if children, then heirs. We like that, yes? Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We still like that, Yes. If indeed we suffer with him, that we might be glorified together. Most of us have never noticed that last line. Spirit of God bears witness with our spirits <laughs> that we are the children of God, sons of God. And, and if, if, if children of God, then we are heirs. Heirs of the Father, joint heirs with Christ. If 
we suffer with him. So there is an inheritance, child of God, saved by grace through faith, that you will not access without suffering. There's an inheritance, there's an heirship that you will not come into except through suffering, that you might be glorified with him. The message puts it this way. This resurrection life you receive from God from 15, 15 is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. Is that clear enough? So part of seeing Christ is being willing and ready to be inconvenienced for him. You can't see Christ through the lens of convenience. So stuff gets really deep for a serious believer. I, I love Jesus, though, but I can't. I just can't. I, I, I just can't. I can't give that. I can't come. That I can't. Because at that time, it begins to be clear where your focus lies. You find a way. You are in Calabar now. It's 8.24 p.m. If we send you a text to say the contract that you were looking for in Abuja has been approved, and you have to be there at our office at NMPC Towers at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Child of God, you will be there. If the bus does not exist, you will create it. You will take the last station wagon going to Ogoja. You will drop. You will find another one from Ogoja going to Lokoja, a truck carrying bags of rice. You will drop at Okoja. You will get to Lokoja. If you break down in Okene, you will take motorcycle from Okene to Ogoja. You get to Ogoja. By that time, there's enough farmers loading their early morning vehicle to get to Suleja. You will get to Suleja. By the time you drop in Suleja, you see Julius Berger buses carrying workers early in the morning. You will beg the driver and say, you have 300 naira. It's very important. You will enter the bus. You will stand next to the gear and you will be at NMPC Towers in Central District by 8 a.m. And you will not have creased your tie or stained your shirt in the whole journey. It will amaze you how much strength you are capable of if you're honest with yourself. What a man's heart is said to do, nothing can stop him from doing it. You'll be amazed. You, as, as clean as your shirt was, like Chuk's shirt now, light pink, baby pink, by morning, in front of Abuja, his shirt is like this. If you needed to buy pure water and leather bag, join the leather bag together and cover the shirt, whatever it will cost you. And I'm talking from experience. I've been there. Yeah. We call you now for an, 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 an interview in the American Embassy tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. in Lagos. Between now and 7 a.m. is 12 hours. From here to Lagos, normally it's about 14 hours by road. You will somehow be in VI at 6.30. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. You'll be there. 
Come for a training meeting to teach you discipleship so we can become a captain of our tens, a captain of our hundreds, a captain of our thousands. No, what is that now? I, I, I'm busy. Our church, my work, I overslept. The movie, transport. You're not ready. And so you'll be ruled by those that are ready. Are you listening to me? That's the truth. And that's the mess of the church. Because once you compromise to get, you will compromise to keep. If we manipulate you and, 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 and encourage you and smoosh you into an office, we'll have to keep doing that to keep you there. We can't tell you the truth. We can't be honest with you. Because everything is built around you. So once we get ready, we will do that exercise. Let's know who is with us, who has capacity. And you see people dropping off like flies. Because all of a sudden you realize you're not as committed as you think you are. You're not. If you have to walk three, three days straight, you walk. People walk in, in apples and they stand for eight-hour shift. Eight-hour shift in spa. You stand for eight-hour shift, 30 minutes break. And then you come to church, you can't worship for an hour. But you can stand for eight hours. You're not seeing the Christ. You're not willing to give up as much for him. Basically, Christ is so intangible that he's not worth the effort. Do you understand? But you know your salary at the end of the day, he will pay you something. So you can push yourself and stay awake. Because you can't see, it's not, it's not tangible. Or so you think. It's not, it's not instantly tangible. You can't cash it in the morning as a check. So you, you belittle it. What's, to what end? How will he help me? You forget that he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. That is what it means to see Christ. That's what it means for him to be all that is in your field of view. When Christ who is our life, you are holding nothing back. That's why I tell people, be careful what songs you sing. I give myself away. My life is not my own. To you I belong. Are you sure? I have abandoned everything I've ever known. Now you have me. My life is not my own. I belong. Do you know what you're singing? I give myself away so you can use me. Okay, come, let's go here. No, no, Lord, you know now what I meant. I meant to use you. I thought use me to worship, you know, use me. Yeah. Use me to sing in the church, you know, use me. But I didn't mean it that deep. I'm not called into the ministry. And you deny Ephesians 4 that says, to, for the equipment of the saints, for the work of ministry. That's our problem. That's our problem. And this is what Afrontes means. You are heirs with Christ if you suffer with him. That is the gospel. <laughs> Irony, right? You will go through what Christ goes through. It's the gospel. And that's your part to play. You have to access it. And that's become, that becomes the difference in the levels of results we get. 
It's not what we were given. All of us were given the same thing. It's the access. Some of you have told over and over, I am here. Use me. Talk to me. Engage with me. Who's I? Everybody has access, but not everyone uses it. Sometimes some of you will even intimidate those that use it. Same thing with us and God. People press in. People insist. And others are just passive. Somebody will walk and say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to church. And you know the funny thing is your employers, obviously, that work on other people, they know who to bully and who not to bully. They know. They know that that Muslim, when she says she's leaving at 1.30 on Friday, she's leaving. She's leaving. Yes. And you dare not fire her. You dare not. But you? <laughs> yes, auntie. Yes, ma. They know who to bully. They know who they will tell. Somebody will say, you know, I am closing at 5 o'clock, sir, on Tuesday and Friday. I am not working on Sunday. And then they start using you to fill up for the people that don't compromise. And you are the Christ? They know. They know. They know who stands up for what they believe. And they know who, they know who is a pushover. They know. But the problem is we don't want, nobody wants to be controversial. Nobody wants to be controversial. Nobody wants to rock the boat. That's the truth. You're hanging with Pav. And listen to me, I, am, I, I thrive off controversies. I'm not afraid of it. It's part, it is occupational hazard. There's no way we are teaching what we're teaching, living how we're living, and we will not have stones thrown at us. In fact, if you are going through life and everybody's happy with you, you are dead while you yet live. You're going through life and everybody's happy with you. Just, you're not rocking the boat. You're just there. Everybody likes you. Everybody's, oh, she's so lo lovely. She's so beautiful. She's so pure. You know, she doesn't offend anybody. You're not standing for anything. Stand up and be counted. We're controversial. You are in this house. The controversy concerns you. Stand up for what you believe. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Call us names. They, don't we, they call him the same names. And even when we mess up, it's not in your power to judge us. You can't shut us down. That's when you are chasing the gospel. That's when you see Christ for who he is. Stand up for it. Ears of the father, joint heirs with the son, if you suffer with him, what are you willing to give up? Aphorontes is not just a cool word in Greek. What are you willing to give up if push came to shove? What are you willing to give up for your faith? For what you believe, or do you, 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 you don't believe that much. You, you must apply wisdom. And the only time Christians apply wisdom is when there's something on the line between them and God. Wisdom never directs them to leave that thing for God. 
Wisdom only suggests to them that God doesn't really mind if you hold on to this while serving him. Such wisdom, James says, is sensual wisdom, which is earthly and demonic. I showed you that in the Bible before in the book of James. Wisdom will never tell you, let this go for the Lord. Wisdom will always tell you, does the Lord really have need of this? Be wise. Doesn't that sound like what the servant told Eve? Be wise. God doesn't want you to suffer. Hold it. So we say and teach and teach and teach and there's no shift. Because everybody's still comfortable with where they are. But you get home and you're like, Lord, help me to see you. Help me to see you. Help me. I'm worthy of you. You've made me worthy. And so I'm an extension of you in the earth. So let me see you the way that you want to be seen. Not the way I want to see you. The way that you want to be seen. Has this helped anybody tonight? Listen, I'm looking forward to seeing transformation. That's my heart cry as a father. That's my heart cry as, a, as, a, as an under-shepherd. That's my heart cry as a, as a set man. Transformation all across in every sphere of our lives, in our communication, our conduct, our relationships, our finances, our academic pursuits, our vocational pursuits, our interpersonal relationships, our church life, our reflection of Christ. The gospel accompanies the culture of the kingdom. Please, as you go tonight, pay attention to what you have termed priority in your life. Look at it critically and determine if that thing deserves its slot as priority. Redefine it in the light of Christ that we see. And be honest with yourself about what is priority to you. And and see how that priority or those priorities have quickly become distractions. Jesus did not, I'm, I'm not done with this, honestly, by no time is gone, we have to close. Jesus did not tell Peter, come on the water, you will not sink. He just said, come. Come. He didn't tell Abraham, listen, the Lord, I'm taking you to the land flowing with milk and honey. You'll become a father of many nations. Come on. I mean, if you heard that, you would not think twice, would you? You just just go. At that point, when you know what is at stake, you will not have so much as thought of carrying lot. Because that next line changed everything about the journey and Lot went with him. But God doesn't give you all of that. He doesn't lay it. He just gives you enough for you to follow. Just enough for you to follow. Enough for you to take that first step and next step and next step and next step. And one day you realize that you're closer to your day of redemption than when you first believed. That's how it works with God. You're better than when you first started. You've achieved more than when you first started. One step at a time. You're trusting his catching. And then he catches you, you realize, okay, I can jump a little further. He catches. You jump a little further. He catches. He's, he's a good father. He doesn't mean you evil. But you can't hustle him. You can't keep it and expect for him to give you. You have to trust him enough as a father to let it go. You have to trust him enough like you would your earthly father. Like you would around here see me hungry and go, no, you know what? Pav is not, he's not, he's not poor, but you know, he's hungry. Let me give him my little rice. 
Let me give you my five loaves of bread and two fish. You think God needed it? You trust, you love him enough to go all the way. That's when you begin to take responsibility for stuff. And then that transformation, the world begins to see that this one, surely they have been with Jesus. And that's all we're trying to do. Do you understand? That people can look at you and say, you, 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 man, you are different. You have been with Jesus. Not when you're in the car, but nobody can relate with you. The only time they can see you as a Christian is if you entered the cab as a Christian. Do you understand what I mean? You don't get, we're talking, like, we're closed now. We're talking Afro-Renters. We see Jesus. Man, this Jesus thing, and then you enter the cab. That was the conversation you were having. So you are in Jesus mode. That's when the cab guys will see that you're a Christian. But if if you're arguing or talking work, or talking a movie, or talking something, your language is totally different. So when you enter the cab, they, they don't have a clue who you are. Do you understand what I mean now? You enter the shop. You didn't enter the shop as Brother Stephen. You enter the shop as Stephen. And you manifest. You create a scene. Why not? You are Stephen. It's not, it's not what a life. This favorite. So let one life stay in life. Let us live church. Let's just face this. How, don't, I, how dare you? Then Pav enters. Stephen, what's up? Yeah, good evening, Pav. You know, just these people, they're very, 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 very stupid. Yeah. We're living two different lives. But you should be constant. 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 A lot of you have had the privilege of going out with me to shop. This is me. I will always leave you with a smile on your face. Always. Always. Even if you carry the face like that, I'm like, come on, smile at least. And from a distance, you look and say, oh, Pav, he flirts a lot. That's why your life is so dark. You can't put a smile on someone's face. Because what's my problem with them? Am I the one that told them to take that job? They're just doing their job. (laughs) Oh, wow. Somebody noticed that I exist. That's all it takes. Somebody noticed that I exist. You look gloomy today. Wow. You noticed. Ah, he's he's a flat. So when we do the brothers, we fled too. <laughs> Everywhere we go, we leave a light. They remember us. Everywhere Jesus went, he went about doing what? Good. Everywhere. We go into a church, everybody insults the sound engineer. Why will I join them? What is new about it if I insult him like everybody else does? So I encourage him. And we become the one he remembers. Even when the sound was, in fact, the, the, the worse the sound, the closer a friend, the engineer is to us. Have you noticed? The ones that give us the toughest time. We feel sorry for them. Like, you did well. Well done. It's not easy. Well done. And then they're looking forward to you coming back. Another day, because every other person insults them. So you see that this thing is as, actually as easy as it is difficult. It's very simple. It boils down to normal, not, not everyday mundane things. We begin to change. All of a sudden, people are noticing us. Our cars don't have to have stickers saying what about the house. It's your lifestyle. Do you understand? We don't have to carry the fish sign on our car for us to know we are pastors. You know, the fish sign represents clergy. 
And you see them on Sunday come and cut you off. And look at you smiling like, <laughs> I have won the victory. You lost, you enemy. And listen to me. All of us are still guilty of this at one point or the other. Let's fix our sights, please. Father, help us. We're, we're tired of status quo. We're tired of, we're tired of life as normal. We're tired of compromising. We're tired of being tossed around and people asking us where our God is. We're tired of not reflecting on a consistent, the light of Christ. And we know your grace is sufficient for us. We know your Holy Spirit is in us to guide us. Prompt us as we yield ourselves to you. Prompt us. Tug our hearts when we say the things we shouldn't have said. Give us the humility to apologize for those things. When the words slip out, let's apologize. I, I, I never meant to say that. If we need to go back to somewhere, go and speak to a customer services person. Go and speak to someone in the shop and say, listen, I came to you yesterday. I said something I shouldn't have said. I apologize. Teach us that level of humility, that level of brokenness, that level of being conscious of who we are in you. And help us that the world begins to see. Let wisdom be known by her children. We thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.